When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another Cavs Weekly Podcast. I know, boring name, but it is what it is. It's another Cavs Weekly Podcast on WaitingForNextYear.com, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Josh Floha, with Seth Wanamaker once again. We are back talking talking Cavs, talking NBA All-Star Weekend, talking buyouts, and just anything and everything wine and gold. Seth, how are you doing, for one? And two, what's you got to say for yourself? Josh, man, doing good. Uh, I'm currently traveling, so I'm in a I'm in a Marriott hotel. If anyone can see behind me, this is not my hometown bed. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, right now. Um, it, but I am coming back to Cleveland this weekend, so we have a lot to talk about. Hopefully, we're we're going to talk a lot of All Star. Um, we were talking earlier. I'm going to try to sneak to one event if I can this weekend downtown. Doing great. Um, last couple Cavs games. I know we're going to get into it. Um, it's kind of a rough way to go into the break, but. Um, as we were talking about earlier, they have some a very important pivotal stretch of games here coming back. So very excited for the All Star break. Let the boys shine a little bit, but then right back to it. I'm I'm in season mode. Let's go. So let's start off with the bad and then go to the good. The bad. Uh, the last three games this past week, Pacers game. It was yet another huge comeback. I think 21 points they were down and come back because of Darius Garland was out. Karis Levert has hit, had his chance to shine, and he took advantage of it in the fourth quarter. He led the uh, led the Cavs back to a win over the Pacers with their new look Indiana team in Indiana. And then you have the 76ers. Joel Embiid did what he does best. He's NBA's leading scorer for a reason, and he's probably the favorite to win MVP, I'd say, too. And whether it was scoring, whether it was passing, whether it was rebounding, it seemed like he did everything and everything or anything and everything he wanted to. And then what came? Oh, Atlanta last night. It was one of those things where like the Cavs were one point. I know me and you talk about this. The Cavs were one point favorites. They opened as one point favorites. They closed as I think two point underdogs or somewhere around there. So it was like one of those Vegas nose types of games. And as usual, Vegas knew because Trey Young dominated. The Cavs were very lackluster early on. And I mean, we, you can talk more about the games, but it's very, one thing is very clear recently is that while the, us fans hate that the Cavs are off for a, a solid like five, six days coming up, the Cavs need this off star break more than anyone. Yep, they really do. You, you can just tell and, some of it's tired legs. You know, Mo- Mobley has definitely looked a bit more hesitant, a little bit more tired on the offensive end. Uh, defense, he's still showing flashes. He's just that good. But, yeah, offensively, the team just doesn't have that spacing. With Larry being out, um, you, you know, I, I, we saw a lineup last night against the Hawks of it was Garland, Okoro, Levert, Mobley, Allen. So, you know, out of those five, the only guy that's a true threat to shoot the three is really Garland. He's the guy that really should be setting up the offense and dishing out to, you know, the three-point shooters. So, yeah, offense has been a struggle. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell exactly how much is legs, how much is tired versus um, just personnel right now, right? They've had so, so many critical losses this year. 
Um, with Rubio going down, we've talked about their net rating numbers have, have really taken taken a nosedive after he went down, Laurie and Sexton being out. Um, it's going to take some time for Levert to to get into the, to the swing of things. Not Definitely not in panic mode. There's so much to be excited about, happy about this year. Uh, it's just been a, a rough couple games and something I know we're going to talk about in a minute, but have to address since we're kind of doing a quick recap of the past couple games here is the the slow starts. You know, the Pacer game, they were outscored. 47 to 28 in the first quarter, gave up 47 points in the first against a Pacer team who's not very good. Um, and then against the 76ers, uh, they started 36, they started down, I'm sorry, 36 to 23. So, you know, getting getting beat by 13 points in the first quarter and they just couldn't, you know, they I think they came back to tie the game, but they just couldn't get over the hump. So, yeah, frustrating last couple of days, but all in all, again, as we talked about earlier on in the podcast, so much to be excited about this year, um, you know, all-star weekend. So I think this was the bad. We can fast forward right to the good stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. It, they were such a hot team in the first quarter, especially on the road. But like you said, I mean, one, I think it's tired legs. I mean, this team, with dealing with injuries and stuff, a lot has been a big burden has been placed on like the top six-ish guys, especially a guy like Darius Garland when he's playing. Or, I mean, even Evan Mobley's racking up minutes. And it's clear Evan Mobley is has been a godsend to this cast team, but his rookie wall, has he's kind of hit it. You can tell that he's not used to playing this many games this often. And I mean, it, it happens. I mean, we're all human. So he went from playing like 30 games in a four or in like a five month college season to already playing what, like fifth, they're up to like 50 or some game, 50 or so games right now. So I mean, it, it happens. But hopefully, this five, six game stretch of days off will help a guy like Evan Mobley. And then, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Love, he played really well last night. And you can tell that he's a veteran. He knows like the type of grinded out that the grinded out day to day things that you need. So just one of those things where I mean the Cavs, we all know that it's a very young team. So it just they're gonna have to learn on learn on the run, I guess you'd say. And then hopefully a guy like Lowry marketing marketing can come back and not only be a, a floor spacer for guys like Darius Garland and Karis Levert, but also just ease the burden off of Evan Mobley down low and Jared Allen and. Just, I mean, this Cavs team will never be 100% because it's impossible with Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton both out. But as if once Lowry comes back, they'll be as 100% as they can possibly get, basically. And I think his addition, even if he's only getting like 15 points a night, his addition will be huge both offensively and defensively. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, um, they're having a tough go of it right now, just with, you know, Dean Wade's been excellent uh, defensively this year. He's honestly been one of their better defenders you wouldn't expect, but you know, when you have him getting switched on to Trey young over and over and over again, that's all the Hawks did. And, you know, the first half, they're just, you know, trying to find Dean any way they could it just, it's just a tough matchup. I mean, Dean's six ten, and you got six, one Trey young who gets every call. It's, it's tough. <laughs> that was <laughs> My personal gripe there. I think Trey shot uh, about 15 free throws last night. So that he was, was like, watch. like James Harden light. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't mind Trey Young, but yeah, he shouldn't be getting. I mean, we can, we don't really have to get into this too much, but yeah, he should not be getting some of the calls that he does. He's, he's one, he's an up and coming point guard, but he's not like a superstar yet. Although I, I don't know. I guess he kind of is. I don't know. But either way, he's still like a young up and coming point guard. He should not be getting. One, the calls that he gets, and two, the flopping that he, um, it just 
Like, come on, just play the game of basketball and just let, let things happen the way they happen. Yeah, what we were talking about in the Discord, I can't wait till Darius gets those calls. Um, and I'm sure as Hawks fans, you don't really care how how you get it. So, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm kind of fibbing right now saying I'm, I'm a little jealous. Uh, I can't wait till, till Darius gets those calls. I mean, he's an all-star. It's time. <laughs> Let's get those calls going. Speaking uh, of – oh, no, go on. I thought, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say, you know, no more of the bad, right? Like this is such a great season. Um, just want to hit on a couple of dud games. But like you said, they're they're so young. We have a big stretch coming up, so you know, great vibes going into All Star Weekend. I can't wait to see the city of Cleveland coming up on the TV. Can't wait to see how many Cavaliers we have this weekend. That's going to be showcased, and uh, yeah, it's transitioning to the good part of the pod. And speaking of Darius Garland, one, he's an All Star. We already discussed that multiple times. You guys already know that he's on Team LeBron, like we said last week. But Jared Allen is now what. He's now an all-star. He should have been an all- named an all-star reserve two weeks ago when they were announced, or last week, two we- two weeks ago when they were announced. Last week was the draft. He finally got a spot with James Harden sitting out the game due to his uh, lingering hamstring injury. So the Cavs have two all-stars. They have two guys in the rising stars. I mean, one, it's awesome that the Cavs or the all-star weekend is in Cleveland this year, but it's all- it's also great to see that four players will be- will be representing the Cavs as well. Yeah, deservedly so for for Jared shooting 66% from the field, which is ridiculous. And he's not just a straight rim runner, right? I mean, he'll he'll take a he'll take like a little 18 footer at times and, and space a little bit. So yeah, six, he's averaging 16.2 per game this this year, 66%, which is ridiculous. 11 boards, almost a block and a half. I mean, he's been a monster. And I'm, I'm looking at his stats the past few games after he was snubbed for the All Star. He had four consecutive games, rebounding numbers, 22, 17, 14, 14. Absolute monster, deservedly so. And, yeah, very, very excited to see him in there. And, I mean, we're going to get like four Darius to Allen lobs, right? Considering there's zero. If there's like a negative defensive stat, it would be that in the All-Star game. So, yeah, they'll get as many lobs as they want up until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter because there's zero defense to be played. I mean – each team, it's going to be like first to like 170 wins. So if, I hope Darius Garland and Jared Allen can at least get like 30 or so of those points. Although with Team LeBron, maybe LeBron's going to be pushing for, because he's obviously part of Clutch Sports. Darius Garland's part of Clutch. Maybe LeBron's going to push for the hometown kid to get MVP. So that, that now that would be, I'm not going to get my hopes up, but Darius Garland coming home with All-Star MVP in his first All-Star game, I am all for that one. Oh, that would be so incredible. And, you know, I feel like I'm biased, so I, I shouldn't even shouldn't even go much further. But, yeah, just the hometown kid doing it, his first all-star game, he kind of, you know, showed up at the Olympic, the elite team and, and challenging the uh, the Olympic guys. And it, it would just be sweet, 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 sweet to uh, to have him win MVP. And I was listening to the chase down there talking about, is it possible that Darius could be in like the closing lineup? for the all-star game. I'm like, if he's in the closing lineup, he's got a shot. I don't know if he's going to make it in there or not, but that could be special. Without looking at rosters, I guess I can pull up the rosters right now. I don't know who the, I guess LeBron is technically team LeBron's point guard, but I don't know what um, point guards they have. I mean, they obviously don't have James Harden anymore. So maybe Darius Garland is the final, I don't know. Maybe he is the closing lineups point guard with like, I, I, like I said, I'd have to look up the rosters, but it's obviously going to be LeBron. 
I think Giannis is on LeBron's team, so it's going to be LeBron, Giannis. I don't know. But I I'm, I hope Darius Garland – it's going to be tough for a guy like Jared Allen to show out because even when there's no defense being played, they're still not going to allow you a big man to get like an easy dunk per se because there's going to be a lot of three-point shooting. But I hope Jared Allen somehow gets like 15 rebounds, even though then again, there's not going to be that many missed shots either because there's no defense being played. So I, I don't know. I hope one of them shows out. Darius Garland probably has a lot better shot to do so. Yeah, and and Al, the way Allen plays, I mean, he's fearless. Like he he does not care about getting put on a poster. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Allen try to contest some of these guys. I know it's it's All Star game, but I mean, he's he's so fearless out there that I, I could see him trying to swat someone. Uh, he may get put on a poster, but you know, he's he's shown that he's okay. You know, having that happen occasionally. Oh, uh, I just look at Team LeBron's roster. Starting point guard Trey Young. So speaking of Trey. Hopefully, Darius Garland gets the final closing minutes over Trey. How about that? Yeah, we we can't have yeah we can't have that. Not after he just beat us on Tuesday night. Can't have that. <laughs> and speaking of you know the All Star Weekend, we were you and I were talking and going through you know what segments are going on and all the Cavalier participation this weekend. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of cruise through you know the different activities and we could talk through what, what our expectations are. Uh, again, because we we have some of the Cavaliers um, involved in, in the activities here. So the skills challenge, which is, is skills on Friday night, I believe, or is that all on Saturday? Saturday. That's all. Saturday. Friday night is the Rising Stars game at, or ga- I guess it's games now because it's four teams. Rising Stars at uh, Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse and the Celebrity Game at the Wolf Student Center. Got it. Okay, so Saturday night, I guess, is kind of where we'll pick up. And um, the Skills Challenge, so there's three teams, and this is completely different than what they've ever done before. Typically, it's always individual players um, doing the like the pass through the target, the, the layup, the three-point shot. I, I love the skills. I think it's so cool. And I love when the big guys get a chance to do their thing. I think it's fun to see a 6'2 point guard against like a 6'10 <laughs> Jokic in there, something like that. Um, but but there's the Team Cavaliers, who it's Darius Garland, it's Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. And then you've got the three Antetokounmpo brothers. So I believe it's um, two from the Bucks, And then their other brother, who I'm going to butcher his name, but he's on the Clippers, I believe. He was on the Lakers. I haven't kept track of that family, besides Giannis. Mm. So he might be on the Clippers now. But he yeah. was on the Lakers when they won it all. Yep, that's know. right. That's right. I forgot they had their little trophy party. <laughs> so... Uh, and then the last team is Team Rookie. So you got Cade Cunningham from the Pistons. You got Josh Giddy from Oklahoma City. And then you've got Scotty Barnes from Toronto. So, um, you know, good competition. I think it'll be really fun. I love that Cavaliers get three players in, in the mix there. Um, do you have any any favorites you're thinking about? Anyone, if you had to bet, who you think is going to take the victory I'll, home on the skill? I'll let you go first because I think I already know your answer. So that will lead me to my answer. Love it. I hate to do it. I just don't want to be too cliche. I think the the team rookie is stacked. I mean, if you think about what Cade, Josh, and Scotty can all do, they're all kind of freaks. They can all pass well. They're all fast and physical. Uh, I think if, if anything, they may have the advantage in terms of just pure speed, and, and they can all pass. So, yeah, if I had to pick, unfortunately, I would have to go team rookie. Team rookie is – I mean, I haven't looked at odds or anything. I don't know if there are odds for the skills competition. I'm assuming there are, is because there's literally odds for everything and anything. Team rookie will definitely be the favorite, but I'll be that cliche guy and be the homer. I'll go team Cavs, although I don't really know how Jared Allen can do in a skills competition. But, hey, I'm all for team Afro 
wait, who it's Darius, Jared Allen, and who? Mobley. Mobley. Yeah. I'll go team Cavs. I'd go team rookie if you didn't go team rookie, but I'll go Cavs on that one because got to go with the wine and gold and blue one. Yep. And you could argue that Garland's the the most superior, uh, you know, skill guy in, in the entire group of nine, I would say. Obviously, Giannis is the best player, but if you're talking pure skill, Darius is probably number one in that entire group. Love it. And if we transition to the three-point, which is my personal favorite, I absolutely love three-point. When the guys get hot, make six in a row, crowd's going crazy. So I'll, I'll roll through the list of, of guys participating here. Fred Van Vliet, obviously with Toronto. We've got Desmond Bain, Memphis, Luke Kennard, the Clippers, Zach Levine with Chicago. You got hometown 3-3-0 boy CJ McCollum now with the Pelicans, which sounds weird. Carl uh, Anthony Towns with Minnesota and Trey Young with Atlanta. Um, we can stick with our little rotation here, Josh. If you want me to, I can go ahead and, and pick out uh, my projected winner. You can go, even though it, it, it probably won't affect my winner because I'm going to be a homer again. But go, you go first. <laughs> Will do. So I've got a basketball man crush on this guy. Um, there's a lot of players that I like in this wow, group. Trey Young? Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Not Trey Young. No. I was actually hoping someone would put him on his ass the other night, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so Desmond Bain from the Grizzlies, who he absolutely torched the Cavaliers earlier this year uh, in a really frustrating game. The Cavaliers kind of gave away in the last second. Uh, Brandon Goodwin with a wretched turnover. <laughs> Love Goodwin, but it was a tough one. Um, but Desmond Bain, he's shooting 42% from three for his career. I think as a rookie, he shot 43. This year, he's around 41 and a half. Uh, he was the number 30 overall pick. So he wasn't one of these like top, you know, top six guys, lottery guys. But when I watched Bain play, he's he's physical. He can rebound for a guard, but he's just he's always in control. And I love the shooting stroke. Um, fortunately, I did get to see Mobley like rip the ball out of his hand when he tried to shoot it. Mobley just ripped it out of the air, um, blocked him in midair. But yeah, I love Bain's the way he shoots his style. I think he'd be a great pick. And he's got he seems like he's got kind of the ice water in his veins. I don't think the moment will be too big for him. How about yourself? I see. I love the I I love the Memphis Grizzlies, and I can say that because they're a Western Conference team. So the only way the Cavs can meet them in the playoffs is the finals. And one, that would be the most perfect finals ever: Grizzlies, Cavs, two young up and coming teams. But two, and they've been the Cavs have been struggling. I know this is way off topic. The Cavs have been struggling in the first quarter. Memphis is averaging like thirty-seven points in their first quarter, the last like six games, and. At, and beating teams by like 12 to 15 points after every first quarter. So like Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Ja Morant. I mean, that team, if I had a second favorite team in the NBA, that would by far be the Memphis Grizzlies. But back to on topic, you picked Desmond Bain. Great pick. I feel like Trey Young is going to do really well with this because he just shoots. He has unlimited range, but I cannot go with Trey Young. Luke Kennard. He's finally back. He's from, uh, I think he played somewhere. I'm trying to think. He's from Ohio. He played somewhere near Finley. No, that's John Diebler. He's somewhere in Ohio before he went to Duke. So, But I'm not going to go with that Ohio kid. I'm going to go with a guy I played against in high school multiple times. CJ McCollum. Clinton Glenn Oak native. Back in Northeast Ohio. Hopefully going to show out with a bunch of family in town. Got to go with the hometown kids. So, yes, I'm being a homer once again, and I'll go with CJ. 
I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I was I was hoping that, you know, if there was any shot, the Cavaliers getting him at the deadline, it would have been so sweet to bring him home. He always reps the Browns. He's awesome. He is like, I know we as fans, we love saying like the gets us meter. He is like, if the cat, if he were on the Cavs, he'd be a 10 out of 10 for gets us. He's like always repping the Browns, always wearing Brown jerseys at Browns games. And the fact that he was just a Northeast Ohio kid. But yeah, his contract just made it ne- nearly impossible for the Cavs to get him. But yeah, now that he's back home for even if it's a weekend, I'll I'll rep CJ for the weekend. Yeah, if you check out his Instagram on a Browns game, he's barking, he's waving, <laughs> he's waving something brown and orange. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. I mean, he's the crowd's gonna go crazy for him. I think, yeah, outside of no, he, he he's going to get the best crowd reaction as I look at the list right now. People are going to go nuts for him. I, I think you you have a really good shot at that one. And one interesting t- thing, too, I, I haven't heard that Levine's been pulled out, but I saw that he was going to see a specialist um, ahead of the All-Star game. He's You're supposed right. to still play, but I guess we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I actually don't know. I guess how many uh, how many shooters they have. If they, it's not like they're going to like have a guy fill in for him. They, they'll have plenty. And – I mean, this is off topic too, but I'm, I don't know his stats from three point land, but Carl Anthony Towns being in a three point contest just seems super weird. It's not too often that you see a center in it, like a true center, but I, I don't know. Maybe he'll just surprise everyone, including me and win, but I just don't see how Cat's going to go to the finals, let alone come close to winning. Yeah. If you're going to have a big guy in here, it would have been nice to see Kevin Love, but. Maybe he he wanted to get away for the weekend and just chill and relax, drink some vino. Yeah, yeah. We discussed that in the Discord. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Love got an invite and he's just like, nah, I'd rather go out to Cali for five days and just get away for a little bit. I mean, do you blame him? Honestly, it would be nice to have a cab in this, but I don't blame him if that was the case. Yeah, yeah, he can use him. He's carrying the team, <laughs> the second unit right now, so he could use a few <laughs> a few nights off. All right, so then we we moved to the last event on Saturday night, which would be the dunk competition, which I would argue, I'm not sure if it should be the last event. It might be my least favorite at this point of the three we just discussed. But uh, if we look at who's participating in the dunk competition, you've got Cole Anthony from Orlando, little guy who I was very surprised, to be honest, about his entry into it. He doesn't do a lot of in-game dunks, um, but I have seen some of his highlights. He can get up for sure. Uh, and then you've got the number two overall pick, Jalen Green, who was selected just ahead of Evan Mobley. Oops, uh, Houston. We have Thanks, problem. Houston. We appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, then third, you've got Obi Toppin from New York Knicks, high flyer, who Dayton kid, right? I believe. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, you've got Juan Toscano-Anderson, Golden State. Doesn't play a whole lot. Uh, again, had to look up his minutes. I was telling Josh before, doesn't play a heck of a lot, but he can also get up. And he's probably the second biggest guy. I think he's he's like a six 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 seven guy. So there's some good variance in terms of size, right? You've got guys from like 6'2 all the way up to about 6'8", 6'9", with Obi. So I kind of like when you have different, uh, different size guys in there. Um, and then, Josh, how about I kick it over to you first on this one for your winner? if you don't mind man i'm so cliche and so homer for the third straight time i'm gonna go with the guy that is affiliated with ohio in some sort of way obi toppin dayton i know he he's kind of been a bust a little bit because he's a top 10 pick i 
He was, yeah, he was a top 10 pick. And he's been a role player for New York, but he hasn't really been like a spectacular player for the Knicks. But he's like 6'9, 6'10, has his athletic, or he has, he's very athletic. He has, he can jump out of the gym. And yeah, I'm just going to go with a guy that's affiliated with Ohio because I'm just that kind of guy, that kind of guy, I guess, and go with Obi. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction he gets because there were a lot of rumors that you know he was a potential landing spot for Cleveland. Um, l- luckily, now that you know, I, like you said, he hasn't exactly lit it up. He's he's interesting in the second unit. Like he he does some, you know, he can rebound a little bit. Obviously, he can catch lobs and dunk, but definitely not a complete player. So, um, if, if I had to pick, um, and I just saw this guy play the other night with uh, Jalen Green. He's He's small in stature, but man, he's explosive. He can get up, slam it. Um, like I said, number two overall pick. He's not having a, a an amazing year, but he's so young and raw and kind of slight. I think as he grows into his body, he might be something special. But I think he's going to try to really show out and and put on a good show Saturday night. So yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen Green of the Rockets. All right. So for those of you keeping track at home, uh, slam dunk. I went Obi Toppin three point. I went. Man, I'm so I'm such a freaking cliche homer. CJ McCollum, skills competition, team Cavs, and Seth went skills competition, team rookie, which I think I, they should win that handily. Uh, three point competition, you went with oh Desmond Bain, and then slam dunk, you went Jalen Green. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, Jalen Green, I it's just a slam dunk competition, but I wonder if he's a show out just because he's a rookie. He wants to like be a rookie that wins a slam dunk. And secondly, I that I might go off on a tangent here, but it is what it is. I remember back in the we talked about this part of the podcast. I remember back in the day when like the slam dunk competition was like must see TV. It had like eight dunk guys, my, the Michael Jordans of the world, the Vince Carters, and now it's like freaking Cole Anthony, Obi Toppin. The guy from Golden State, who I don't even I literally don't even know. And then uh, Jalen Green. I mean, they probably don't even average 48 minutes total as a group, although they probably do come close. But it used to, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that it used to be like star players, guys that everyone just wanted to see dunk. Now it's just like, like you said, it's probably the, th- of the three events Saturday night, it's probably the, the last one that I want to watch. And it's going to be the prime time event because it's going to be the last one. I'd much rather watch skills competition and three-point competition this year. There's no doubt. Not even close. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access. Yeah, there's so much more entertaining. I, so the entire All-Star weekend, it had me reminiscing about, like you said, All-Star games past and how much fun they used to be when they used to all wear their own jerseys. So you'd have the East team with – old school Raptors. I know we talked about this, I think week one of this pod, but you'd see all these beautiful, <laughs> sweet jerseys that the guys were rocking. You couldn't, it was a kind of a shit show. You couldn't tell like who's playing on which team. It's just kind of chaos Jersey wise, but it was so much fun. And it, it took me back to my first kind of memorable moment at watching the all-star game was 
2000. And I had to go up back and look up in the names in the, uh, the slam dunk competition are just incredible. If you're a, if you're a Cavaliers fan. So the 2000 dunk competition, Vince Carter famously, I mean, just did everything. Um, he probably the best performance in the slam dunk competition when it was elite at the time, but the contestants in it were obviously Vince Carter, Cleveland Cavalier legend, Ricky Davis, who I think had a poor performance. Ricky Davis is in the slam dunk. Wow, I, I, I had no idea. If you would have told me one Cavs back then, I would have said it was Darius Miles. Yep, yep. Uh, number three after Ricky Davis, Stevie Franchise, Houston Rocket, little guy, but he could get up. And then another familiar name, Larry Hughes. So he was—I completely forgot—he was in the dunk competition too. Wait, what? If Ricky Davis and Larry Hughes were in the dunk competition, let alone the same one. I literally—if you were said like, tell me like ten Chads that have been in the dunk competition, those two would have never even crossed. Especially Larry Hughes. I remember him being like a a defensive first two guard, not a dunk. And that's, I mean, I guess that's what we're going to be saying about this two twenty two thousand twenty two class too. But yeah, that was it. What a, from Vince Carter to Larry Hughes, what a freaking contrast. <laughs> right. I, I always remember him as a, just like a pure slasher on the wizards, but not getting up much. So yeah, I was surprised to, to go back and watch him. Uh, and then to round it out, Tracy McGrady, who elite, I mean, he's a superstar in 2000 and then Jerry Stackhouse. So Jerry Stackhouse, Tracy McGrady, Steve Francis, Vince Carter. Those are all those guys are like top 20, 25 guys in the league at that time. I mean, that's a sweet class to watch. And then, you know, Vince Carter, what he did, the 360 dunk, reverse 360 dunk, the windmill, the dunk right in front of the free throw line. I mean, when I went back and thought about, you know, memorable all-star game moments, it was, that was spectacular. When the dunk competition was, you know, still attended by the best of the best and absolute show. Do you have any, anything that pops out like your first game or any memorable moments as you look back and say, wow, that was all-star game was sweet (laughs) back when. I just remember all those slam dunk competitions with Vince Sanity. I mean, Vince Carter, he, that, like I said, that was must watch TV. Now, this slam dunk competition is like, do I still have to have the TV on to watch this? I don't know. I hope, I hope OB and Cole Anthony and Jalen Green show out, but it's just like, there's no big names. I mean, like you said, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Larry Hughes, I'm at Jerry Stackhouse. That's like two of the top 25 players in the league back then. Now you have like Cole Anthony is like a top one seventy five player in the league. I I just feel like the name recognition is just like uh, I don't know. I don't know what the NBA can do to change it. I don't know why stars aren't in it anymore. It's not like there's been like a major injury that like ended the season after in the same. Like, I don't know. I don't maybe offer an incentive to. I mean, LeBron James is too. It's weird to say, but LeBron James is probably too old. He wouldn't if he hasn't done it yet. He's not going to do it now, and he's in a no-win situation because if he wins it, it's expected. If he doesn't win it, well, LeBron, why didn't you win it? But I, I don't know. Just get some bigger names in the slam dunk competition. That's all. I don't know how you can incentivize it to do so, but it's just Cole Anthony and this group is just not. It's not doing it for me. Put it that way. Even not that long ago, I mean, if you look back like seven, eight years ago, we, you know, we still had Dwight Howard in, and he I was, was just gonna bring up. I was like Dwight Howard because he's didn't he like blow out a candle on top of the room? <laughs> yes, he did. Crazy? Yep. But yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard. Yeah, 
I don't know. I would, I would love to. I wish they'd do like an old an old guy uh, slam dunk competition. I, for some reason, I'm thinking of Mario <laughs> Stoudemire too, but I don't really think he ever – did he do slam dunk competition? Yeah. I I, yeah, I think he was in one or two. And um, who jumped over a car? Well, no, Blake Griffin. So, yeah, we don't have any Blake Griffins or Dwight Howards. In, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like I, I feel like I'm not going to miss much. I don't know. I, I miss the old Sam Dunk. Like you said, Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter, I will gladly take one of those guys in this one. Now, obviously in their prime, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are averaging 25 a game in 2000, which was – which is like now 29, you know, they, they were, they were absolutely filling it up. And yeah, even like Zach Levine a couple of years ago and um, Aaron Gordon, six, seven years. Yeah. It's just, it feels like it's kind of falling off a cliff and you're right. They got to do something because it, it has such potential. If there were like two or three premier guys battling it out, I mean, I would be glued. That would be probably my favorite competition of the night at that point, but they, they got to do something. I don't know why the guys don't want to participate, but. Yeah. Like, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what changed. It's that it's not like there's been like a season ending injury or I don't know. I guess it's something that Adam Silver has to figure out if he sees that the ratings drop a lot with Saturday night. I wish it would go like an hourly rating to see like who which fans like watch the first two skills in three point and then just turn off the channel after three point composition for the same dunk. But yeah, I I, I guess it is what it is though, because Adam Silver clearly knows what he's doing. So if he's fine with including four guys like this and not like a superstar like i said it is what it is yep yeah um and i think so josh anything else you want to hit on all-star maybe before we we head over to to some questions just uh i know we talked a lot about saturday night sunday obviously we talked to darius garland jared allen and then friday night you have um they're doing it differently with the rising stars it's now four teams it's a four-team mini tournament. I know Isaac Okoro and Evan Mobley are on the same team, and then you have like a bunch of other first and second year guys. And then you have four four players from G League uh, Ignite who were paid to go to the G League instead of going to college for a year, so they they haven't even been drafted yet, but they're going to be participating in this as well. And yeah, it's like the two winners of the two games play each other for the championship and i think the first games are to 50 and then the second games to or the championship per se is to 25 which is weird 25 seems so low but then again because i might be going so i looked at the start time it starts at 9 p.m eastern standard time i was like wow that is such a late start so i guess that's why it's 50 50 25 but yeah just you'll have isaac okoro and evan mobley hopefully dominating that and hopefully i'll just continue what's supposed to be a very exciting and fun weekend in Cleveland. Well, hopefully that will be the start of it. I mean, and that's it. That's, that's all I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a heck of a weekend and uh, I can't wait. I, I just love, I know I've talked about it before. I just love when Cleveland's featured, whether it's a Thursday night Browns game or, uh, you know, a Cavaliers game when they were going to the finals every year, it's so much fun to see just shots around the city get the Cleveland sign move and you can hear about the raw call for the thousandth time. Cause that's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing they bring up when they talk Cleveland. There's so much to talk about here, but that's neither here nor there. Whatever. <laughs> I can't wait. If, if we were to tr- take a shot every time, either the rock call got brought up or I don't know what's another thing, the snow. Cause it, it, there's still snow on the ground and it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow and then freeze on Friday. So I'm sure there'll be talking plenty of talk about 
uh, rain or uh, snow and ice. Yeah. Just like Cleveland gets hated on enough. Just when we go national, just have these national guys at least talk positive things about this damn city. Do do a little research. We got like a top five uh, museum of art in the entire world. We've got some of the best plays. I think number two behind New York City in terms of plays. Hey, speaking of research, did you hear that the Browns fired Bill Belichick like twenty six years ago? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of doing research, just damn do it. your research, people. Like I said, Cleveland gets hit on enough. Now we don't need these like fake facts that aren't true whatsoever to be national. Please. Yeah, people believe it. If you put it out there, they're going to believe it. Exactly. Like, if I saw the graphic and I wasn't a Cleveland fan, I'd be like, wow, the Browns are so dumb. I'm not going to look and make sure that it's factual. I'm just going to assume that it's not not Ballsack Sports doing the graphics, so it's it's clearly true, right? And, man, I I didn't think I'd ever bring that name up on this podcast. But that's just like a parody. It's a parody Twitter account that just makes fake graphics. And then we have... I think it was NFL on Fox was the one that tweeted that out. I was like, how many guys did this go through? It had to be someone that thought of it, the graphic designer that did the graphic. Like, someone do your research, please. But back but back to the, uh, the Cavs and NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, just to be clear, Baltimore Ravens fired Bill. But, okay, yeah, we're, we're moving on. So Cavs All-Star Weekend, we can't wait. I know, Josh, you're, you're probably going to hit up an event or two. I'm going to try to get up there. I can't wait. It's it's just going to be fun to see downtown just kind of lit up. Like, you know, with uh, hope, you know, hopefully people feel comfortable coming back out. It's, it feels good with, with COVID going down. So hopefully everyone has a heck of a time and, and can enjoy themselves up here. Um, but we've got a slate of mailbag questions. So we reached out. We, we tried to get uh, a couple here, and I think we've got four lined up for tonight. So I think we're going to try to do some rapid fire here, Josh, if you're ready to go. Just a spoiler, Seth got all of these mailbag questions. I got zero because I forgot about it. All right, continue. <laughs> so we got to start off with Nate. I, I really like uh, Nate's question. He's going big picture, so uh, but I love it. I, I think that's the fun about this team is you know we we're tactical. We're in the weeds for this year. We want we want some playoffs, but uh, there's so much possibility with this team. We got to keep thinking long picture too. So we'll start off with Nate's question. So with the success of Darius Garland and the move to go acquire Karis Levert from the Pacers. What do the Cavaliers do with Sexton this offseason? Does he play a game for the Cavs next season? That's a, that's seriously such a good question. I know it's been talked about a lot because it's almost like Karis LeVert is a taller version of Colin Sexton. They both score. They're both like, yes, they both pass the ball, but they're mainly guys that just like when they have the ball in their hands, they're going to find a way to get a bucket or try to get a bucket. Um. I, see, Colin Sexton's such an interesting thing because, like, he just – he's been out for most of the season. It seems that he loves this Cavs team and he loves being around these guys. Maybe he'll take, like, a quote-unquote hometown discount. I would – if if he were to accept, like, a three- or four-year deal worth, like, 12 to 15 a year, I'll gladly take him back. You can never – he won't be a starting guy, but you can never have too many scores off the bench. So I would like, I'm envisioning like a st- second unit led by, although Karis Levert and Colin Sexton, that would be, uh, now that you, now that I say that, I don't know about that either. I don't know. I feel Karis Levert is a good insurance because he will be around next year and then he'll be a free agent after next season. If they don't bring back Colin Sexton, it is what it is. 
if they do, then hopefully JB Bickerstaff finds a way to make it work like he has this season with all the like he found a way to make Kevin Love not only not want to buy out but just love this team. So I feel I, like we've discussed the last two podcasts that since we started doing this, it's weird to say that I have full faith in JB and Kobe, but if they make a decision, I'm gonna stick with it and hope and fig and not even hope that it's right. I'll have faith that it will be right because just those two guys seem to know what they're doing. So yeah, but if I were, I'd say it's like 50, 50, that Colin Saxon's back with the Cavs just because, well, and he's a restricted free agent. So this, another team can come and offer him whatever they want, but the Cavs can match that. I just don't think the Cavs will offer or the Cavs will match anything more than like four years and 60 million. Yeah, I think that number you just threw out four for sixty feels feels pretty good. If if I had to put a, a number on it, I would say that both Colin and Levert are likely back. I think there's a higher likelihood that Colin is the long term bench scoring guy than Levert. I think you try to try to get Sexton on a somewhat of a team friendly contract this offseason. Then you have Levert. Um, playing into his last year and he could potentially be an asset you know someone that you could get something for or you know I think he he makes a pretty good sum of money somewhere around 15 to 17 a, a year so he could be a pretty good asset to potentially trade away and I mean when when you look at so we need to see a lot more Levert it's not fair to judge Levert based on the few games he's played um, but when you compare Levert to Sexton the efficiency that Sexton has um, can't really be touched by many guys in the league. I mean, he's a six foot guard that shoots like 46, 47% from the field and 38% from three. I mean, his, his efficiency is real. And the fact that Darius has stepped up so much and become the clear distributor and, and leader for the team, I think that lets Sexton just, just go and, and lead that second unit and score. So yeah, if you ask me, is Colin going to play a game for the Cavaliers next season? I say yes, and I think it's more likely that Colin is that permanent six-guy role um, over Lavert. See, it's one of those things too where Lavert might give the Cavs a legitimate hometown discount because he is from—he's a Columbus, Ohio native. He was once committed, like we said last week, he was once committed to Ohio University before going to Michigan. And I mean, maybe he wants to be back in his home state, be in, be on the only NBA team in his home state. I don't know. But yeah, like you said, either way, if they sign Colin Sexton back, Karis Levert's an expiring contract next year. Teams love expiring contracts. So, I mean, like we said last week, that's why I love that trade so much because it's not really hurting this year's team whatsoever. And the worst worst case scenario, it's an expiring contract next year. But yeah, I Colin Sexton, I love the guy. I just don't He's not – We've a lot of Cavs fans have said this multiple times. If the Cavs are legitimate, Colin Sexton is not in the starting lineup, and I totally believe that. He is a great six-man, but I think that's what they need right now is like a go-to guy off the bench. Karis LeVert will hopefully be that guy. Kevin Love can be that guy, but it's hard for a power forward to be that guy off the bench, like a go-create-your-own-shot type of guy. Yeah. I don't think Colin Sexton's oh, – man, I can't talk. I don't think Colin Sexton's going to be back this season. I know some people are hoping that, but this offseason will be interesting for him, especially as a restricted free agent. 
Yeah. As a newly signed clutch, uh, you know, client, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how much money he gets. Cause that, the injury gets big. I mean, some guys that have that injury, they don't have the same bounce again, you know, Collins young enough and his work ethic is just nasty by all reports. I mean, he, he outworks pretty much everyone. So I, I'm expecting him to come back and, and really pick up pretty close to where he left off. So yeah, it, it would be tough to see him go, but like you said early on, JB and Kobe, full faith, whatever they end up deciding, how Karras fits in the, the next 25, 30 games and then into the playoffs is, is going to maybe a big indicator for what happens with Colin. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, it, it, Karras is a great insurance policy because if Colin doesn't come back, you have Karras to lead the second unit. So, yeah. yeah. And like we both said, whatever Kobe and JB do, whatever they think is right, I also think is right. <laughs> they've earned that. Yep. They've definitely earned that. All right, so if we go down to question two, this is from Sean. Any discussion of buyout players that the Cavaliers may go after? So anyone, Josh, you're interested in from a buyout perspective, the Cavaliers could pick up. I would love Grand Dragic. He just got traded and then uh, waived by the Spurs. I think it was the Spurs. He would be a great – I mean, Rondo, he has – John Rondo, he has spurts of a very good backup point guard. And then he has spurts of like, wow, this guy cannot be on the court in the NBA basketball game. He's just way too inconsistent for me. I know the other night he had he did great, but like he's just way too inconsistent. I would love a guy like Duran Grand Dragic. Yes, he would be like PG two, PG three with Rondo, but like if Rondo's having an off night, just put in Dragic. And he's a veteran point guard that will ease the burden off Darius Garland, like we have continued to say. Playoff time, that's going to mean even more to ease the burden off of him. I just don't think that – I think – well, put it this way. I think Dallas or, like, I don't know, a team that will offer him more and be a legitimate contender. I know the Cavs, some people will say they're legitimate contenders, but they're super young. If they win one first – if they win the one series in the NBA in the NBA playoffs, I'll be ecstatic. So maybe he'll want to go to like a legitimate contender. I know Milwaukee is looking for a backup point guard behind Drew Holiday. Maybe he'll go to Milwaukee. Besides Dragage, though, I don't without having like a list of names in front of me. I honestly don't really know. But what I do know, March first is the deadline. So thirteen days from now, March March second to Wednesday. So March first is a Tuesday. So thirteen days from now, the player must be on the roster to play in the postseason. So the buyout market should, I mean, not, not much has really happened since the trade deadline ended, but in the next 13 days, look for a lot to happen. Not a lot, but like quite a bit to happen. And maybe the Cavs, I mean, I know Pingos, there was, I know we talked about this last Thursday when we did this podcast, there was a report out that he was going to Moscow and now he's still on the Cavs roster. So I don't know if he is going, I don't know if, I mean, if the Cavs, the Cavs are at 15 guys right now, so if they want to sign a player from the buyout market, they would have to release someone. I'm assuming it would be Pingos. I don't really know the numbers, like the salary numbers behind that, but they have like $3.3 million to spend, which buyout guy, he will probably look for like close to the veterans minimum for the rest of the season. That that won't be $3.3 million. So, yeah, I'd, I'm, I guess I'm not really offering much for the question in my answer besides Dragic, but... I would look for them to get another point guard or another three-point shooter, but I think they'll go more of a backup point guard over a three-point shooter or both. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many teams within that play-in area. 
I think it's going to be extremely busy. I think there's going to be a lot of roster turnover with buyouts. There's a lot of guys who who are, are going to want to join a contender on the cheap. Um, there's a couple guys that I have, and they're all very different trait-wise. But as you said, I mean, Kevin Pangos isn't going to give you anything. I think the pecking order for point guard is obviously Darius, uh, Rajon Rondo, Brandon Goodwin. So if, Before if, you go on, though, Brandon Goodwin's on a two-way contract. So yeah. for him to be playoff eligible, he would have to be converted to an NBA contract, which would mean that Pangos would have to be released, too. So if they want Goodwin to be uh, playoff eligible, they would have to release release Pangos. And then if they want to sign a buyout guy, they'd have to release someone else, which I, I don't know. I don't know all the numbers, but if they want Goodwin and another buyout guy, they would have to waive two players. But continue. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They they got to get you know get rid of more than just Pangos, and Pangos is obviously the the, the number one candidate to to head back to uh, to Europe. I I that was the first guy I listed was Dragic. So you and I keep nailing the same exact answers, question over question, uh, week over week here. But he, he he's obviously older. He's been in the league since 08, but he can still score. You know, the last uh, last couple of years, he still has scoring averages up in the 13, 14, 15. And on those Heat teams, you know, he had a hard time staying healthy, but man, he was effective. I remember in the bubble, and I mean, he still he still can move. So it's been kind of weird. He didn't have um, he didn't really play at all with the Raptors. Got bought out, but he's still been working out. He looks pretty good from the highlight tapes we can see. And I, I think he would probably be an upgrade over Rondo. the The problem at this point is probably the amount of games they have left. So the All Star break is so late into the season. Uh, if I look at the the Cavs record, they're 35 and 23. So they've played 58 games. So they only have 20 some games left. So bringing in a guy who's going to have to orchestrate the second unit, it might be a lot to ask, but you know, I think it, I think it's, he's, he probably represents a significant enough upgrade over Rondo that I would seriously consider trying to bring him in. Um, the other two I'll just give real quick. Robin Lopez, so he does like nothing for me in terms of actual playing. But if the Cavaliers have a matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks, the last thing I'd want is Jared Allen to get into early foul trouble. So I think they could just use one more guy just for fouls. One more big dude. Can we can... just and they need one more Afro at center? <laughs> yeah. The Afro tradition. <laughs> Robin and Robin and Allen. What a duo. Ooh, Robin and Allen. That sounds good. Um, yeah. So Robin Lopez, he could bring his like WWE antics that he's got going on. Uh, but we, the Cavaliers played the Magic earlier this year. He still has a little bit of a hook shot to him, but he can bang. Like he he was giving Allen some problems. He, he's still a, a big physical guy. So I think again, I, I'm not enamored by his play by any means, but what he can give is a couple of hard fouls and and maybe guard a, a big guy um, that that's given Jared some some foul problems for five to seven minutes if needed. Uh, then the last guy, just really quick, Gary Harris. We've talked about him. I mean, he, he's a decent wing option. I, I'm not not saying he's, he would play a bunch, but if Levert were to get injured or Osman, I think he's a guy who could make like your top nine-ish rotation in the playoffs if you absolutely need him. So he might just be another guy. He can shoot the three at times. He's a little streaky, but he can play defense. He can rebound a little bit. I think he'd be a good kind of buy-low option. Um, and he, he's currently on Orlando, so I'm sure he wants to play for a contender for the rest of the year. Man, Orlando is like what the Cavs used to be in non-LeBron years, which is just like, when are you guys ever going to be good? But, oh, speaking of, I went to, I Googled buyout candidates. Uh, you brought up Gary Harris. Jeremy Lamb is also one. He's in 
he's with Sacramento right now. He was with the Pacers, it seemed like, for a while. He's more of like a two-guard. I, I would be fine with him off the bench. Um, Eric Bledsoe, I'm, mm, that doesn't move the ticker for me. He's on Portland. Kent Bazemore, which I didn't know that he was even a buyout candidate, but he's with the Lakers right now. I guess he's out of their rotation. I think I would take him as like a Wayne. Uh, I mean, he's more of like a defensive guy, but I think he has a deep, without looking at the stats, I think he's a decent three-point shooter. I would take him. And then, uh, oh, the the a guy that the Cavs were um, possibly looking to add at the trade deadline, Dennis Schroeder, who was traded to the Rockets in a very strange trade at the deadline. He is most likely going to be bought out, but it looks as though he might go back to the Lakers, who uh, he was with last year. But then again, I mean, if you want to be with a contender, and, but maybe he sees playing with Russell Westbrook, he's going to get more minutes. But I would take – so I would take Dennis Schroeder, you said Gary Harris, Robin Lopez, although the Cavs don't really have, like, a legitimate backup center. But I don't know if he would be worth a roster spot since you'd have to release a second guy if you want to bring up Brandon Goodwin. Um but yeah, I'm Schroeder, Dragic, Baysmore, I guess, and uh, Gary Harris. I'm any of those four guys. I'm fine with it. But yeah, like I said, we I can say this with every one of these. Whatever Kobe and JB want to do, I trust them. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right. So then we were we kind of transitioned to the tactical stuff. So we started off more big picture, um, talking about you know what they're going to do with Sexton and uh, what what they might do coming up on the buyout market. And then the next two questions we got from Ryan and Nick are more tactical kind of play style questions. I thought I maybe want to hold them for last. So um, Ryan asked, "What's your concern level for the playoffs now that the teams have more tape on the Cavaliers and are taking them more seriously?" as a top team in the Eastern conference. So what's your concern level for the playoffs now that teams seem to have more tape on how the Cavaliers operate? Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Cause I already have my answer, but I was wondering if you want to go first or not with this. No, one. no, please take it. Please take me? it. Zero concern level. I think we talked about this last two weeks coming into this year, 26 and a half wins over under. They were supposed to be at like the third word, the bottom three team in the NBA. The fact that they are, if they don't go, if they don't get into the playoffs now, it would be a, a major disappointment. I'd feel like it'd probably be like a catastrophic injury for them not to get in. So yeah, I, I'm gonna be happy with whatever happens in the playoffs. If they get in, it's only experience for such a young team, which is what they need badly. They need playoff experience. They need to feel a seven game series, not a seven game series, but just a playoff series where you're playing the same team at least four times in a row. And yet, I'm like I said, I'm zero. I have, I'm not worried. And my concern level is at zero out of 10 out of 100, just because this cast team has exceeded expectations so much that as long as they get to the playoffs and get that experience, I think next year, maybe the following year, will be the year, quote unquote. And yeah, I just want them to get to the playoffs and whatever happens from there. I mean, if they win a first round series, after being a projected bottom three team in the NBA. They've taken the NBA by storm already, but if you're one of the final, what would that be? Final eight teams in the postseason? Give me all of that. I don't care who they play in the first round. Just, I mean, yeah, I think we talked about this last week. I don't want to play like Milwaukee maybe in the first round or I, 
Joel Embiid, uh, we can talk about that. We have a couple months to talk about this. I'm scared of Joel Embiid, but them getting James Harden, I feel like is only going to make Joel Embiid worse, and it's, that's just not going to be a, a good marriage for those two. But, yeah, we'll talk about the playoff matchups in the future. But, yeah, my concern level, zero, because the Cavs have already exceeded the expectations, and as long as they get to the playoffs, it's only good experience. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually exactly what I wrote. So I guess you could think about this question. Damn it. Yeah. You keep saying the same answers. I promise we didn't talk about this beforehand. <laughs> Every time I'm just going to start lying to the listeners. I'm going to start just making something up on the spot. So I try to take my little notes and be diligent here and I keep matching you. Um, but yeah, I, said, I take no notes. So it's not like me and <laughs> me and Seth share notes either. <laughs> I guess if you wanted to split the question out, if, if you wanted to layer it, like, do you have concern this year based on the Cavs looking like a top three or four team? Then sure. You know, you could argue that after Rubio went down, the team has not looked the same. Offense has been clunkier. Defense is maybe taking a step back too. So I do think that there's a blueprint around the Cavaliers right now. If I were playing them, it would be throw a big guard or wing on Darius, try to make him give up the ball and then have Osman beat you or even have Love beat you or, or Levert. I think that's the blueprint, and I think that'll probably be what the Cavaliers will see um, come playoff time. But in terms of big picture and exactly where I think you're at, it's just get in. Just get in. Even if they go like 0-4, you know, 1-4, and have the playoff experience, get your butt kicked, that's okay. I want a hungry Mobley this offseason, a hungry Jared Allen, a hungry Darius. You know, they've gotten some of these accolades, so they should start getting the respect, but it wouldn't be the worst thing to see them, you know, kind of get their butts kicked and realize, okay, this is what it takes to get to that next level because we've said it numerous weeks now. It's a whole different level, and they're they're not going to know until they experience it. That's just how life goes. Yeah, and, I mean, Kevin Love can tell them all. I mean, obviously, Kevin Love has been – has plenty of playoff experience. He can, he can tell them all about how to be prepared, how to play in the play, how different it is to play in the playoffs because you play the same team so many times in a row. How it's like a grinded out defense. Defense matters, and I mean defense matters all the time. But the game slows down a lot more. Defense being played, Kev Love can say all that. But until these guys, the Darius Garlands, the Isaac Okoros, the Jared Allen's, they actually play in a playoff game. I mean, words only have so much. They need they need to experience it for themselves, which is, I mean, even if they lose the first rounds, even if they get swept, which I don't think they will, no matter who they play, I don't think they'll get swept. But that's, like you said, it's just to make them hungrier and want, I mean, if they had a lot of motivation prior to this year when they've been so bad since LeBron left three years ago, imagine the type of motivation they're going to have this offseason where they they can see how good they can be and they want more of that. 
because the talent is undeniable that, you know, you can't, you can't say this team doesn't have enough talent to win now. Now it's just about gelling, getting better, getting those reps playing. So yeah, you're hundred percent right. They know how good they can be. They had some help with an awesome backup point guard, Ricky Rubio, who's better than a lot of starters, but they know how good they can be now. So yeah, really it's, they just need those reps and I can't wait. Thinking about a first round home playoff series, whether they're, whether they're hosting or, or not, obviously we're, they're going to get at least two games. It's going to be electric and it's all homegrown young guys coming together. I'm so excited. <laughs> and that's a hate on the MLB, but if the MLB is in a lockout still, I mean, that's to be the only thing in Cleveland in April. So, I mean, I, yeah, like you said, that atmosphere, I miss playoff basketball in Cleveland. I really do. And I, yeah, that, I don't care who it's against. I think we're still on the same concern level question, aren't we? I, I'm zero concern. I just want all the playoff experience. The more playoff games the Cavs can get this year, the better. Put it that way. Yep. And let's and let's see Lowry back too because he makes a big difference. If you look at the net rating uh, of Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, I think Carter Rodriguez shared that net rating goes up by like eight points when Lowry plays with those guys. It's spacing. I mean, it's all about spacing. So get Lowry back. I think the offense is going to look a little bit different and the defense will look a little different too. So before we move on though, yeah, Lowry, if you, the, without Lowry marketing, Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio, the Cavs are literally without three of their top seven players coming into the year. And they're still a top four seed in the interest. Like crazy. What? I mean, JB Bakerstaff has to be the favorite for coach of the year. Kobe Altman has to be the favorite for executive of the, of the year. It's crazy. Like the team that they have brought together, and like the Kevin, even Kevin Love, the Kevin Love story. I can't wait for someone to do like a behind the scenes of how it went from like buyout to like six minute of the year candidate. It's beyond crazy to me. But just the Cavs without so many players and the fact that they're still a top four season, I think they're still a top four season in the East, even though they lost two straight. It's just, I mean, injuries or not, I know it's next man up, but there's only so many injuries a 15 and 15 man roster can take in the NBA. That's why I'm like, Imagine if this team was fully healthy. Imagine how good they'd be. Yeah, you'd have to assume they'd be, you know, one or two at, at worst. Um, and not a lot of teams. So obviously the beginning of the season, the Cavs got fortunate at times with COVID. So they, they weren't – they didn't get the COVID bug yet, and they were beating up on some teams that have COVID. But for the most part, I'd say a lot of the contending teams outside of maybe Chicago – in the East, a lot of the guys are, are really healthy. I mean, Celtics have everyone healthy. Raptors have everyone healthy for the most part. Um, Philly, obviously, outside of um, you know, outside of Ben not playing, has been pretty healthy. The Bucks are pretty healthy. So the Cavaliers, I would say, um, are, are definitely one of the most beat up in, in terms of key, true, like you said, top seven players that haven't played. So yeah, ne- next year, just you know. I got to temper expectations because I'm after seeing this season and the guys they have coming back, I'm, I'm going to be thinking some dangerous stuff I shouldn't be saying on this. So <laughs> let's just hope it's not like the Browns where we think the expectations are very high and then it turns in the we won't even talk about it. This is the Cavs podcast. But on to the, the next uh, mailbag question before I go down a Browns bad hole. Yeah. <laughs> this will wrap it up too. So number four. So Nick asked, 
what is the cause for the slow starts as of late? And, and I'll go back to a point that we talked about early on. So uh, the Pacers win. The Cavs went down 47-28 in the first quarter. And then against the 76ers, a 103-93 loss, the Cavaliers went down 36-23. to um, You said it earlier, the Cavs were one of the best teams against the spread in the first quarter. Uh, so Nick's question, what do we think the cause is for the slow starts as of late? Uh, wanting the NBA All-Star break would be the easy way to answer this. But, I mean, we talked about this earlier, too. Evan Mobley has hit a rookie wall. He needs this six to seven. I think it's like six days off full. I don't know. I think they play the 24th next, so I don't even know what today's date is. This is six. Oh, so it's like eight days off because they play last night. Evan Mobley needs this break badly. I mean, it's been very evident offensively. He's He's been great defensively, but very – so so offensively i guess and just like this team has been very un unenergetic early on i think that's one of the biggest reasons why they've struggled because well it's been very clear that they've struggled defensively and before this last two or three game stretch they were number one in points allowed in the nba which is beyond amazing to me but how much the defense has struggled over the years but yet yeah, this whether it's like wanting the all-star break or just like needing just the time off just to gain some energy back and gain to gain their legs back. Maybe getting Lowry back is going to be huge because it's another seven-footer in that three-man Tower City lineup. I think it's just they've, yeah, like I said, they have just really need this break, and they really need to just gain their legs and their energy back. And, and maybe it's they're looking forward to this break, and it's one of those things where, like, when you're looking forward to something, it's – uh Trap game. I'm trying to. I was trying to think of a word. A trap game. It's used a lot in college football and basketball. Maybe these last couple of games have been trap games because the Cavs are looking forward to the All Star break so much. Yeah, early on in the season, it wasn't hard to project what the Cavaliers were going to do night by night. They were playing harder than everyone else. They looked fresher. They looked like they wanted it a lot more than everyone else. Um, and that happened all the way through till January, really. I mean, they, they were playing consistently harder than everyone every single night. And the last, call it a couple weeks, it's been hit or miss. And that's just to be expected. Like, like you said, Mobley played, what, 30 games last year? And now he's played 58 and probably like half the time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's guys being tired. I think they've given up a lot of paints in the point. I'm sorry, a lot of points in the paint as of late. And a lot of that appears to me, I'm not the, the biggest tape guy, but a lot of it appears to me to be just getting beat kind of one-on-one. -on -one. And then like Allen or Mobley are trying to come in late and, you know, they're getting scored on or it's an easy pass to the next guy who's, you know, rotating in. So, yeah, I, th I think one-on-one -on -one defense is taking a step back. Early on, uh, Okoro had a hit list of, they played like four elite point guards in a row. And each one he held to under 30%. And if you just look at, you know, look at uh, what Trey Young did last night, right? He, he almost got uh, 40 and a lot of it was, was on a Coro. So yeah, I think individual defense, I, I think you're right. Tired legs. And yeah, I think they just need a break. It's, I'm not too concerned. Um, I am very interested to see hopefully Lowry come back healthy, um, give Karis a few extra days to, you know, live in the playbook, kind of get used to, um, you know, this team. And I think it'll, it'll be good to evaluate this team. As you referenced earlier, there's a pretty big key stretch coming up. 
the Cavs should be as healthy as they're going to be for for the stretch season. So I think it'll be it'll be a great time to evaluate their playoff hopes and, and chances um, throughout that stretch. I think that starts in March, right? March second. I know Ken Carmen and Anthony Lyman were talking about it earlier on their show. Um, March second, it starts. I'm going to the game, so I know March second is against the Charlotte Hornets, but I think seven of the nine games are against like top four teams in whether it's the East or the West. Philadelphia's one. Denver, I don't know if they're top four, but they're a very good team. I don't know the exact schedule, but I know it's a very tough nine-game stretch. So hopefully they can just like stay afloat. Five, five and four, four and five. I mean, that March second seems like it's a few weeks off, but it's literally going to be here before I know it once the All-Star breaks over. So yeah, that's gonna be a true test for this team. I'm assuming Lowry is going to be back by then. Hopefully everyone else will be healthy and have fresher, fresher legs after the break. And yeah, I mean. I, I this kind of goes back to a previous question too about tape and stuff or expectations and all that. Um, the Cavs are no longer a team that teams are taking light, other opponents are taking lightly. The Cavs kind of have, I wouldn't say they have a target on their back, but teams now know that they are a legitimate playoff contender. So, like I said, no one's gonna take them lightly. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're struggling too. And then again, it's just injuries like we've discussed many times already so yeah the second half of the season it's not really a second i hate how they call it the first half of the second half because like you said earlier the Cavs are like 58 games into the season so it's way beyond second or way beyond first half but yeah hopefully after the all-star break the Cavs have fresher legs realize that they have a target on their back now because teams know that they're good and just take care of business even I don't know the exact math. So what's the record? Thirty-five and twenty-three. Is that it? Thirty-five and twenty-three. Yep. So even if they go twelve and twelve, they're still going to be forty-seven and thirty-five. I will take honestly. I will take twelve and twelve. I would love for them to win fifty games because that'd be one heck of a story. But think about that. If they go five hundred after the All Star break, they're still forty-seven and thirty-five, and that will still probably put them in like the fifth or sixth seed range. Yeah, just exceeding their over-under total by 20 games. No big deal. <laughs> and that's going 500 the rest of the way, too. Right. I mean, that's uh, – it's they still – I just looked it up. They still have, like, the 24th toughest schedule out of 30 teams. So there's – that nine-game stretch starting March 2nd going to be tough. But, I mean, besides the, those few games in between the, that nine games between there, they're going to have some really easy – well, not really easy because it's the NBA, but they're still going to have plenty of easy games where if they just take care of business, they should – I mean, fifth, if they want to win – I'm trying to – if they want to win 50, they have to go 15-9 and nine the rest of the way. I – if they get Lowry back, I think it's possible as long as they take care of business against the team that they should beat. It's beyond amazing to me. That they can win fifty games and go fifteen and nine, and go and win fifty, after being projected at twenty seven wins, start the year. Unbelievable to me. Yeah, that fifteen and nine is not outside the realm if if they get back and healthy. Uh, I'm looking at the the standings right now. The the one thing that really sticks out is Toronto has won eight of their last ten, and Boston has won nine of their last ten. So. Currently, Boston's number six, so they would avoid the play-in. 
and they have a one and a half game lead against Toronto, uh, who's number seven, who would have to play, I believe, the Hawks then in the play-in tournament. So that's the big thing I- I'm looking at, honestly, is as long as the Cavaliers stay above that number six seed, equal to or above that six seed, that's really where um, I'm excited. You know, it, I guess I'll take like a play-in opportunity, but they've played so well that that's the that's the position I'm really looking at. So if Boston could just chill out and Toronto could just calm down a little bit, that would be nice. Two things on that. One, I know we discussed this last week. Those five starters in Toronto have to get tired at some point. They're, they have the, the top three guys are the top three minutes played average per game in the NBA. And I think all five starters are top 23 or top 24 or something. They, I mean, all-star break or not, those legs have to be getting tired as the season wears on. But then again, their five starters are really good, so I guess that's why they play so much. Boston scares me a bit. I know they just dominated Philadelphia last night by like 40 or something. I mean, they were good with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and now they got Derek White at the deadline from San Antonio. That is a perfect fit for them. So, yeah, that. And then again, I'm, we can, like I said earlier, talk about playoff matchups later on. But I think Boston's going to be a team that rises up the standings in the final 24 games. And as I'm looking at the standings, the Cavs are currently two and a half games behind first, but they are like three games ahead of the play-in. And like you said, just avoid the play-in. I don't care what seed you get, just don't be in the play-in game. Although that would be some fun, entertaining basketball, though, I must admit there's some danger looking in that playing tournament, right? Like if, if Brooklyn gets somewhat of a healthy Ben and then Durant comes back, I I don't want to play that team in, in the playing tournament. Um, Toronto, you know, could be spicy and uh, yeah, let's avoid that playing tournament. I think that's, that's my goal right now. Stay within the top six, um, get that playoff experience, not interested in seeing the play in. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I do not. It will be fun, entertaining basketball. Don't want to be part of the plan. But looking ahead at the schedule, I know we've been talking about the recent or the up, upcoming schedule. The three games after the All-Star break, at Detroit versus Washington versus Minnesota. You have to win two out of three of those. Minnesota's tough. Washington's without Bradley Beal, and now they're without Spencer Didwitty as well, who got traded. At Detroit, you just have to take care of business against one of the worst teams in the NBA. March 2nd, which is that key date that we've been saying, that nine, that tough nine-game stretch, versus Charlotte, at Philadelphia, versus Toronto, at Indiana, at Miami, at Chicago, versus the Clippers, versus Philadelphia, versus Denver. I think that's more than nine games. But besides at Indiana, I mean, the Cavs might only be favored in like two out of those nine games. So Versus maybe the versus the Clippers too, they'll be favored, but that's legitimately seven, seven playoff teams. I don't know if Charlotte's currently in the playoffs, but Charlotte is a very good team with Lamelo Ball and Mikel Bridges, and no, not Mikel Bridges. What what's the bridge? Mikel Bridges is in Phoenix. I can't think of the Bridges in oh uh, Miles uh, right Miles Mile. Bridges. Yes, so yeah, at, eight of those games are very tough. Hopefully at Indiana can be considered an easy win. Hopefully the Cavs don't go down 21 this time. But go 2-1 and one in that early, those three games after the break, and then hopefully just survive that nine-game stretch. And if you say those first 12 games after the break go 7-5, and five, I am perfectly fine with them going 7-5 in that stretch. Yeah, that's a true measuring stick. That's where I, I think I'm going to really take a lot of – 
valuable insight in those games, see how they project against the Heat, Philadelphia, um, even Charlotte, who's, you know, who's pretty feisty. So yeah, that that's going to be the true test. And just got to hope, like you said, five and four is pretty damn good. Six and three would be a static. I mean, this is, I don't, I don't want to sound doomy, but this is not the team from, you know, back in December that was blowing teams out. This is a different team now. Um, so yeah, five and four, six and three, just, you know, stay within those top four or five seeds. That would be an excellent stretch. If they go four and five, I'll be happy. If they go five and four, I'll be more than happy. If they go six and three, my goodness, in that nine game stretch, if they go six and three, I'd love it. And I mean, we can talk about this next week because we'll be back here with another Cavs Weekly podcast. Boring name. Next week, talk upcoming schedule, talk uh, recap the NBA All Star weekend. Hopefully, it's a good one for not only Cleveland, but for the Cavs as well. And I like how before this podcast, we said that we wouldn't talk for an hour. And now we've been talking for an hour and 14 minutes. And this is the longest podcast we've had yet. Probably least amount of like relevant play content. Cavaliers only had three games and, you know, they kind of stunk. But yeah, we, we filled it up. That's just, I guess that's our thing now. We just, we can just keep rolling. <laughs> it is so easy to talk Cavs in the NBA. It's as simple as that, I guess. But with that, Seth, anything else before NBA All-Star Weekend? No, like you said, I hope everyone has a great time. Be safe. Have fun at the events. It looks awesome downtown. There's been some pictures and, and videos. I think it's going to be a really good time. Dress warm. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, let's see the Cavaliers take home some trophies. Cavs take home some trophies. Hopefully some positive things said about Cleveland, whether it's national or local. Well, local is obviously going to be positive. National, I'm sure they're going to try their best to hate on Cleveland. It is what it is. Don't let it get to you, Cleveland especially Cleveland. I'll put all of Cleveland in a Twitter circle. Cleveland Twitter, please don't let anything national get to you, please. It's bound to happen. It is what it is. Just enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the events. Hopefully, if you live close to downtown, go just be part of it, even if you're not going to the game. I know tickets are expensive both Saturday and Sunday night. Just, like, go... I, this is the only time the NBA All Star Games would be here, probably for the next couple of decades. I mean, the last one was ninety, late nineties, so it's probably like every twenty, twenty five years. Yeah, so just go enjoy it, be part of it, and just be safe and go Cavs. Go Cavs. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.